Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your host, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Dave Brown here from American Snippets. Thank you so much for listening in on today's show. Uh, Today is Freedom Friday. Yep, we're bringing Freedom Friday back. We haven't done a Freedom Friday in quite some time, uh, but we're going to get back to doing these on a weekly basis. So every Friday, you can expect Freedom Friday. So what is Freedom Friday? Well, they're short little 5 to 15-minute podcast episodes, uh, a short little message a snippet from a maybe a previous episode, a lesson, something of value, inspirational, motivational, that you can take into the weekend, something that you can apply in your own life so you can start creating more freedom for yourself and start living uh, your way to, towards your own American dream. Um, and on Wednesdays, we'll be publishing our, our regular podcast episodes, uh, having our guests, our interviews. Those will be on Wednesdays. Friday will be Freedom Friday. So we'll be bringing you two podcast episodes each and every week. Today, uh, we have uh, my co-host and partner, Barbara Allen, uh, is bringing you a talk that she did about six months ago on the power of patriotism and how patriotism helped turn her tragedy into triumph. So if you have not heard uh, Barb's story, uh, you have to listen to it. It was a national news story about 13 years ago, uh, 13, 14 years ago. Uh, she lost her husband in Iraq at the hands of another soldier. It was murder. Uh, there was a court-martial. It was national news. Uh, a horrific, terrible story. Uh, I don't want to give it all away, but she was left with four boys, all under the age of six. Um, and uh, this is her story. Uh, that you're going to want to listen to, and you're going to learn how she turned that tragedy into triumph. She's one of the strongest women that I know. Uh, I love her to death. She inspires me every day, and I am so grateful to be a part of her life. So listen in as Barbara Allen uh, delivers her talk on the power of patriotism. Patriotism is a word often bandied about in news and media today. But outside of clapping for our military or feeling genuinely sad and at news of casualties, what does patriotism really mean? Have you ever stopped to consider its values or the potential they hold to be a driving force in your life? I definitely did not until my life changed. It was a sticky, hot summer day, the kind I really love. I was newly pregnant and in pretty good mood that day as I got home from a doctor's visit with my husband. I was laughing at something he said until I heard from behind me, I heard him say, by the way, Toots, I'm gonna join the National Guard. So I was like, (laughs) what? But by the time I spun around to look at him, he already had his hands up in the air and he's saying, oh, hang on, hang on. You know this is important to me. And I did know, because he told me a while ago something that he'd been so nervous about telling me, the kind of nervous, He'd actually waited until we were engaged, and I was locked in until he shared these two secrets he'd been hanging on to, the only two things that he ever wasn't comfortable telling me. The first tidbit he shared was that his middle name was Edwin. He was super relieved when I managed to move past that shocking announcement and hang on to my love for him. The second thing was absolutely more important to him. It didn't change the way I felt about him, except maybe to make me love him a little harder for telling me. It had been that when he'd been 18 years old, 
he'd followed that drive he had to serve in the military and gone ahead and enlisted in the United States Army. But he'd been very quickly overwhelmed by the demands of that service, and after struggling for a really long time, he asked for and received an honorable discharge. Even though he'd known that was the right decision for him at the time, it nagged at him, it ate him, he could not let it go. And when he told me about this, it became so emotional when he said to me, he felt like he failed as a man. He felt like he failed his country, and more, I could see in him this unfulfilled drive he had to serve. So I did know all that in the back of my head as he was speaking to me. I just really didn't care, which didn't matter because he was still talking. It was 1999, so he was super quick to point out to me, look, our country's not at war. Even if we do go to war, it doesn't matter. National Guard never gets deployed to war. That hasn't happened since World War II, and that had been a historic deployment. I mean, clearly he'd researched his talking points before he dropped this on me. So he was continuing. He said, look, I promise, I'm most likely gone one week at a month, two weeks a year. Maybe I'll get called up, say, for an ice storm or something if it's really bad. So I just looked at him with all the calm, cool, rational thought available to me at the time as a young, pregnant wife who really just heard her husband tell her that he was going to abandon her and her infant in an ice storm to go help other people. <laughs> And I was like, seriously? Is that how you think it'll go? You want to know how I think it'll go? This is what'll happen. If you join the National Guard, you will personally guarantee our country does go to war. National Guard will be historically deployed in that war, and you will die in some freak way wherever that war is. Charming, I know. Fast forward with me to 2005. He did still love me, but he joined the National Guard. We'd moved into a new home, and we had four little boys. They were six, five, three, and one-year-old. Whole other talk there. <laughs> Our country was at war. National Guard had deployed to that war, and my husband was up at Fort John, preparing to deploy to that war himself. I was terrified. I was exhausted, and not just from the strain of caring for these four beautiful boys by myself, and building my career, and taking care of the house, but just trying to keep myself together in the face of my overwhelming fear that the worst thing I'd possibly imagine could potentially happen to us. And this had made more real to us recently. Just six months prior to that, I'd gone with my husband to the wake of a young man from his unit, far younger than him, who'd been killed in Iraq. I saw that young wife standing by her husband's casket so stoically, and I knew for sure I would never be as strong as she was right there if something like that happened to Lou. The very next day, he presented her the flag at her husband's funeral, and he'd shared with me how terrible and devastating that had been. But he wouldn't talk to me much more about it beyond that, but it was all I could think about. And that particular day in 2005, I was having a really bad day, like the one poopy diaper away from a nervous breakdown kind of day. And then my doorbell rang, and three men I'd never seen before were standing there. Ma'am, one of them said, we heard your husband's deploying to Iraq. We also heard that somebody left you in a bind with your bathroom, and we'd really like to fix that for you. I just looked at them like, what? It was true. A contractor had taken the little bit of money we'd managed to save, destroyed our bathroom, left with our money, and now I had a hazard zone to deal with on top of everything else. So I looked at these guys. I said, wow, that'd be really nice, but I don't have any money to pay you. That contractor took all of our money. Ma'am, one of them said, we're Vietnam veterans. Lou is our brother. It'd be our honor to do this for you. Please, let us. Oh, I was blown away. 
And for about three, four days, those guys worked, and they left us with a beautiful bathroom. But more importantly than that, they left me with a beautiful message of grace and humility and resilience and patriotism, because that's what had led them to my door that day. And I realized if these men who've been so betrayed by our country and gone through so much can come forward decades after their service to do such an amazing thing for a soldier they never met, for a family they didn't know, just because they knew what we were going through and they were gonna make sure that nobody had to go through that alone, then who was I to complain? And I knew then that my job was to support my husband and do everything I could and hold my babies close while he was gone so that he could take care of what he had to take care of and come back home safe to us. And I told myself, I am gonna rock this deployment. And I did, for about three weeks. <laughs> June 8th, 2005, was another beautiful summer day. Kids were still asleep, six o'clock in the morning when my doorbell rang. Three more guys I'd never seen before were there. Only these guys, they were in Class A uniforms. And these men were there to tell me my husband had been killed in Iraq. He'd only been on that base for four days. And I dropped and I lost it right into a heap up against the corner of my wall. I went down hard and I didn't want to get back up. I mean, tragedy when it hit us wasn't pretty. This is what me and my babies looked like that day. And that is what I felt like for a really, really long time. And then it got worse because we found out that my husband had been fragged, that another American soldier had murdered and been arrested for the murder of my husband and the commanding officer of that unit. And that sense of betrayal and shock blew away whatever coping skills I'd managed to hang on to at that moment, which were not many. And I went down hard into a dangerous depression. But my friends and my family and the community and the country came forward and stepped up to help us and support us in whatever way they could. People lined the streets holding flags with a hand on their heart, bowing their heads, or offering a salute when my husband was brought home. And again, on that awful drive to his funeral, I got hundreds of letters, actual letters, from people I'd never met offering support. And when I broke down sobbing in the supermarket, there was a stranger to give me a hug. People who know me will tell you I am not a hugger by nature if I do not know you, and sometimes even if I do. But I took that hug that day, and I'm grateful for it still. And that's how I went about the next period of my life, trying to grab onto that strength and that unity and that patriotism that had been ignited by our tragedy. And I tried, and I did my best, but it is hard. It is hard taking care of four little boys who are looking to you to guide you through their own pain when you can't even breathe for years. It is hard going through three and a half years of a court-martial process. The first hearing was in Kuwait, and I went to that. And everyone after that was in North Carolina. So New York, North Carolina, New York, North Carolina for three and a half years. Until in December 2008, just before Christmas, we helplessly watched the man who we later found out had signed a guilty plea admitting he committed these crimes. We watched an imperfect military judicial system acquit that man, and I had to watch him walk out of that courtroom, freeze a bird, and oh boy did I rage, and I seethed, and I knew in that minute, I knew in my heart, if I was given the opportunity, I would kill myself. And I tell you, if you've never felt that before, you never want to feel that feeling. It is an awful feeling to have in your heart, but I had it. And that's the feeling I started to feed. And I don't know where we would have been if immediately after that, my boys and I had not been swooped up into the arms of some of the hundreds of volunteers who work in an organization called Snowball Express, 
where every year at Christmas, they fly out thousands of women and children who've lost a husband, a wife, or a parent in service to this country. And for a few days we gather, and they do their best to instill in us that holiday spirit. People who've been walking this path longer support the newer families. The newer families lean on the old. We look to the volunteers who become family, and it is amazing. And when I got through the holidays and I started to falter again, I turned to the support of another organization called TAPS, founded and run by fellow gold star wife Bonnie Carroll. And then I slipped again and I fell to the support of another organization, Got Your Back. And then there was another organization in my community and so on and so forth, branching out on my own, but then scurrying back to the safety of all those people there to support me whenever I needed it. And slowly, I started to feel, to pretend I was doing okay. But then, the government, again, refused our request, sorry, to award my husband the Purple Heart. This is a very important struggle for us, very painful for us, but the government's position is that since he was not killed by an enemy, he does not merit this award. We've been battling it ever since. But that rejection I took very, very hard, and I seized again, and I thought, this is nonsense. I mean, how many times can one government betray one family? This is not the government, my husband, lived and died for. This is nonsense, and I just gave up. I walked away. I said, patriotism is a joke. Those men who came to my door were a fluke. This doesn't exist. And then, two Vietnam veterans I'd never met, independently of each other, heard about our story, read it in the news, researched it, and on their own, within months of each other, first in the mail, then in person, gave me their own purple hearts in honor of my husband. The very purple hearts that represented their service in Vietnam, their blood spilled, their wounds, they still carry today. These men who had every right to be so bitter about a country that, guess what, had betrayed them. Look what they did. The example they set, that lesson they taught me. This, I, I'm not supposed to be bitter. What good does that do? What happens if I just curl up in my own world? Who do I help? Do I help myself? No. Do I help anyone else? No, look what these men did for me. How can I not do the same for myself? And every day still when I have a bad day and I pass those purple hearts, I get a little choked up and I send a silent prayer to those men. And so I went on my way and I tried my best to do what I had to do to put my life back together and be strong, to be the mother my children so desperately needed and deserved. And I started to do okay or pretend I was doing okay. Then I started to make mistakes, and some of those mistakes were kind of fun, and that felt pretty good, and I made those mistakes a couple more times than I needed to. And then some of those mistakes were actually dangerous mistakes and had a terrible impact on myself and my children. Because of that mindset I was in, that still anger, bitter, betrayal, self-pity, loss, I had no purpose, and even what I was doing in my life, I was a prime victim for predatory people, and I let them right into my life and into my home. And as a result, I wound up emotionally and financially decimated. Anything I'd managed to build up had been just blown away and obliterated. And instead of looking inside myself, I blamed everybody. I blamed those people for preying on me. When I couldn't get back into the workforce and support my children, when it was so hard to get back in, I blamed an apathetic country. Who didn't care why I'd been out of the workforce so long, they just cared that I was. And they wouldn't give me an opportunity. And I don't know where I would have wound up if one more person hadn't given me one more chance. This time I was allowed the opportunity to work with veterans in my county as a veteran specialist, 
helping them file for VA claims and then linking them to resources as they transition back into service or through a crisis, sometimes decades after their service. And this job changed everything for me. Suddenly I was surrounded by people whose own sense of patriotism drove them to work well beyond their paycheck to support our veteran and active duty military. Suddenly, I was the answer people were looking for. People were coming to me for help. And I realized I'm no longer drawing on those resources. I am the resource. And I was surrounded by patriotism. Everywhere I looked, I saw it in the small acts and the big acts. And I was reminded patriotism is, in fact, alive and well. Patriotism doesn't have to live and die in the confines of a government. It can beat in the heart of every American, and it could still be mine. I realized that even when the government gets it wrong, Americans, like those I was surrounded by every day, we can still get it right. And I got back up and I found my purpose. And that mindset changed everything for me. That mindset allowed me to love my life again. That mindset allowed me to love my country again. And ultimately, it allowed me to love another man again who's crazy enough to actually love me back and brave enough to support the part of me that will always love them. And soon I get to be his wife, because he's not very smart, and because I'm very lucky. <laughs> and we've already begun our own work, helping other people navigate crisis and everyday setbacks and immense traumas, drawing on our own experiences from our personal and professional lives. And I am able to do that today because of all those people who follow their own drive of patriotism to reach out into my life and support me the way that they have. So you see, patriotism matters. It has the potential to elevate us from a country of divisiveness to a culture of unity. It can survive and transcend any political and religious differences it has, and if you let it do that and apply those values to your life, you can change lives. It changed my life because people followed that. Patriotism is about supporting those people in our communities who serve at home or abroad to support us so that we are free to follow our own American dream. It's about giving back more than you ever receive. And for me especially, it's about living my own life with such fierce fulfillment that my children are inspired to do the same. And together, we live up to the sacrifice my husband gave. And by doing that, maybe we can serve an example to all the men and women who come home today or decades ago and still carry their own guilt simply for surviving and show them it's not only your opportunity to enjoy all the gifts you yourself gave so much for, it's your duty. Because you know what? My husband didn't die just so that we can all curl up and limp through our lives and exist. My husband died so we can live, and his sacrifice demands that we do. On June 8, 2005, I lost the very first love of my life, and I lost all love for my own life. The fact that I am standing here today healthy, happy, making better decisions, and less damaging mistakes is a testament to all those people whose own patriotism inspired them to dig deep into those values and extend themselves into my life to help me up whenever I needed it. And now that I am allowed to have the opportunity to do the same for so many other people, because patriotism is driving me too now. Patriotism changed my life and if it can change my life, it can for you, and you, and you too. So I invite you all here today and every day to stop and think. What does patriotism mean to you? Thank you.